you kind of it's kind of I guess prevalent in Bloomington right now is you know why can't Tom Crane get these guys under control and did he mess this all up by by allowing this kind of you know culture of of overlooking uh, relatively minor infractions you know this, this everything kind of the tone kind of got set when Hannah Perea was suspended for just two games when he got that DUI. Um, in the middle of conference season, I guess it was two years ago now, and and is that kind of set a tone for the culture of this program that you can't really go back from? And I think that is a bigger concern on a whole. The 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 big picture is a bigger concern than this one specific, at least for me. Well, what do you what then? What do you do with these kids? Do you, is Holt kicked off the team? Do you suspend Swanigan? Does Tom Crean get in any trouble here? I, again, it is something incredibly minor. We talked about this on the show for a long time yesterday. But what's the solution to help kind of change the culture, like you mentioned? I don't, you know, I don't think Tom Crean can get in any like real trouble. I don't think he can get in trouble with the NCAA. I don't think he can get in trouble with um, with the school itself. Uh, this is just more heat on him, more, more heat on his seat, more. You know, reason that he absolutely has to have a good year this year. Um, as far as Holt is concerned, I would not be surprised if he ended up getting the boot from this. Even though, you know, I don't think any, either of these issues are really, even with both of them, I don't think the issues when you combine them are really cause for dismissal. I mean, he was, again, one instance he was caught in a car with booze underage, which he shouldn't be doing. The other instance, was he was driving a car after he had been drinking underage when a teammate jumped in front of his car and he hit him with the car. And, you know, it, neither of those instances are, are, are worthy of getting dismissed. But, you know, at some point you kind of got to say, dude, you got to figure it out. I wouldn't be surprised if he got suspended for a couple games. I think that he's going to, let's put it like this, he's going to be in very good shape by the time the season rolls around. I think Tim Crane is going to be running them quite a bit. Um but I, I I don't think that he should be dismissed at this point. It'll be interesting to to see what they decide to do uh, with that situation. Again, it's not the major like we've all said. It's just that it continues to happen, uh, which which isn't good news whatsoever. I know this isn't uh, I know this isn't college basketball related, but you've we we've talked more about other stuff with you than we do college basketball. What do you make of USC banning alcohol in their in their locker room uh, after Sark after dark? You know, I look college coaches. Are, are we really that naive to believe that none of these guys uh, get after it? You know, once they're they're off the clock, all of them do. Pretty much all of them do. Um, I think that he is an idiot for getting drunk enough where he's going to go up and, and rant like that, especially at a team function and a booster function. Like, dude, at least keep it together until you're done speaking publicly, you know? And then you'll get after it in the, in the privacy of your favorite dive bar. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that in front of the boosters and everything. Um, I think that it is getting completely overblown, uh, to be honest. I don't think that this is a situation where it deserves as much coverage as, as it's getting. But, you know... It's August. We don't have games to talk about yet. We have speculation. We have previews. We have fantasy football stuff to talk about. We have a rest of, you know, Indiana basketball players. So when a coach is drunk and caught drunk on video um, at a booster function like this, it's going to make headlines, especially when it's at a place like USC. And uh, I don't, I don't really think it's a huge deal. But think about it like this: how many, how many guys do you think have in their offices, regardless of profession? have like a bottle of scotch and, you know, a couple beers in the mini fridge in their office. Probably a lot of people, right? Yeah. Well, just, because of, just because this guy happens to be a head coach um, doesn't change the fact that he's, you know, a normal person. I, I think that he's an idiot for the timing of it all. And I just, you know, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it. I lost interest pretty quickly after I saw the video. That's all I wanted to see. I wanted to see the video. Once I saw the video, you know, Kind of yeah. Over. Have you ever done anything stupid in public that you can tell about on the radio? Most of those are on <laughs> the radio with this is a show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, plenty of stuff. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> plenty of stuff. All right, we can leave it at that. Uh, Rob, let's let's ask you this. Go around the SEC here. 
Ben Simmons, LSU, they went to Australia. He put up pretty good numbers. I think it was 20 and, and close to 10 rebounds in five games. Uh, also averaged five turnovers a game. I didn't watch him down in Australia. I'm sure you probably didn't. I even know if the games were televised anywhere. But a pretty good start for a guy that was in high school just a few months ago. Yeah, he's he's a really, really, really skilled player. Um, and I, just looking at that stat line, I think what you're going to realize is, you know, uh, Johnny Jones is going to put the ball in his hands and kind of let him make a, a lot of decisions here, which is, you know, probably the best because I'm not sure if Johnny Jones is the best uh, X's and O's coach in the world. Um, you know, I mean, the kid is projected as a number one pick in the 2016 draft. He, he's, he's insanely talented. People have really been enjoying him. He's a guy, he kind of reminds me of Royce White in terms of, you know, just his ability and how skilled he is. He's not as big and he's not as strong. Uh, but he's, you know, he's a six-nine power forward that can handle the ball. He's an unbelievable passer, and you know, I, I think he's a more—he's not quite an elite athlete at this point, and he really needs to start developing his jump shot to be able to spread the floor. But uh, he's a very, very skilled ball handler, passer, a guy that can absolutely, you know, kind of play that point guard position. You know, he is—he's like Kyle Anderson, except you know, not a Trevor Kelsey-esque athlete. You're talking about Kyle Anderson, the guard? Kyle Anderson, yeah, from uh, from, just, from just UCLA. Comparing their athleticism, though. No, no, no. I'm comparing their skill set. You know, both of them are big. Uh, they're kind of power forwards more than anything, but, you know, they, they're really good passers, really skilled ball handlers, and, you know, kind of a, a point forward position. He's a better athlete than Kyle Anderson. For, for the record, uh, by the way, guys, if I was 6'8", I'd be playing pro ball somewhere. It might it might be where they found Neon Badeau and Blue Chips, but I'd be playing somewhere professionally. You're like 6'4", Trevor. <laughs> I'm 6'3". There's a difference. You're, you're not that far off from 6'8", but you are incredibly far off from playing professionally. Hey, trust anyway. me, there's a big difference in five inches. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I set that one up for you, buddy. <laughs> Rob, last question before we let you go. UK's SEC schedule came out. Uh, they're playing every team. They, they play, obviously, a few of them twice, LSU, Florida, uh, there a few more, Alabama, I think. Um, I'm going to give you a list of these road games that they're going to have to play. At LSU, at Arkansas, at Vandy, at Tennessee, at Texas A&M, which of those is the toughest for Kentucky, and how many of those do you think UK wins? Um, I think that, I mean, they probably should win at least four of the five. Uh, I think LSU is going to be tough simply because I think from a talent perspective, LSU is probably the second-best team in the league. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would say that they're most likely to lose at Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt might be the most slept-on team in the country. Uh, their big kid, Damian Jones, I think he's going to have. Um, he's going to be a guy in the conversation for SEC Player of the Year uh, when it's all said and done. I think he's the first-team All-SEC guy. they got some shooters. Kevin Solomon is one hell of an offensive coach. Um, I think that they're a top 25 team and, you know, legitimately in that conversation for the best team in the SEC outside of Kentucky. Uh, Texas A&M will be good. Uh, I think they're still a year away, though, to be honest with you. Uh, they, they're Everyone's talking about the recruiting class they got coming in, but none of those guys are really kind of instant impact guys. I think they're still a year or two away from really reaching their peak as, you know, a top 20, top 15 kind of team. Um, Arkansas, I don't think is going to be all that good. They got all this stuff going on with that forgery scandal. They lost a couple kids. Bobby Portis went pro a year early, and I've just never been um, a big believer in that system that Mike Anderson runs. Yeah, looking at all those road games, they're all tough, and they're all going to be hostile environments. It's going to be the best environment of the year for those arenas when Kentucky comes to town. The the good news about the Vanderbilt one, though, is you're going to have 35% Kentucky fans there making the short trip down to Nashville. But uh, those are a string of tough games, even though some of uh, all those teams aren't as talented as Kentucky. Uh, we'll see. You know, UK almost lost to Georgia last year, almost lost to LSU last year. So nothing would surprise Road me. Road games and conference play are never easy, regardless of who you're playing. Road games and league play are never easy. I agree with that. I agree with that, Rob. Well, thanks for hopping on today. I'm glad that I could come on here the last five minutes and talk basketball with you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun, wasn't it? Uh, that was our birthday gift to you, TJ. Happy birthday. And my birthday's in March, so you guys are a little late, but that's all right. A little early, a little late. Depends how you look at it. But uh, appreciate you coming on, Rob, and we'll talk to you next week about God knows what. <laughs> Take care, fellas.
All righty. Rob Doster, NBC Sports. Trevor, uh, that, I feel like I walked into a sabotage to, to start my radio show right there. I'm here. I've got things <laughs> prepped. You tell me Rob's coming on early. I say, all right, that's fine. I, I like talking to Rob, and we can have him on to start the show, make the first 25 minutes fly by. And then all of a sudden, it's just, before I could even think, you two are just going back and forth like you're gossiping at the schoolyard. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, yeah, my bad. Sorry about that, buddy. I felt like that was a sabotage. Uh, I wasn't intended to be. Uh, he, he told me, I talked to him before we came on the show. I was talking, I gave him a call earlier and he said, uh, he wanted to talk fantasy football. And I was like, okay, well, he's like, just don't tell whatever you tell TJ, just don't bring up Joyke Bell. Tell me how Joyke Bell is going to be the, the, the guy I should take, but I've got serious well, fantasy football questions. And I was like, all right, well, we'll hit him up. And I didn't well, mean the good to. News is, the good news is I have done a great job of building around Joyke Bell. So he doesn't have to be the centerpiece <laughs> of my offense. And by doing and by doing that, you mean your your Jordy Nelson got injured, which helped out build around Joyke Bell. I may or may not have to. I may or may not even start Joyke Bell. So, I've got options. My team's looking up and up. I'm trying to work out a deal where I can get Jordy Nelson, uh, just keep him on my bench and and keep him as a keeper. But I'm not going to give any anything away too significant. So, uh, time time will tell. We're going to take you should a just, you should just wait until the guy cuts him. He's probably going to do that. I would he's think he's not going to cut him. He's because it's a keeper league. You got to Jordy Nelson's a good keeper. You yeah, that's true. You don't get penalized for your your rounds or anything like that for your keepers. I forget about that. No, yeah, which I, I you know I wish we did something like that. But I kept Josh Gordon on my bench all year last year. Yeah, so Bottom did I. Plays the last few games and played okay, not great. He played okay a few games and then stunk in the last game, but. I kept him all year, and that ended up backfiring. It's terrible to keep somebody on your bench that's not playing all year. Uh, but sometimes you got to do it. The worst part about it was the fact that he he's not. It would been okay if you could just told me, okay, he's going to return this year and play all season. And last year, only having him for what like two games, I think, is what it was. Like you said, two maybe four games. It made it worth the, the sitting through and sitting him, watching him on your bench all year. But the fact you don't even get him this year that that was the stinger. Sitting through him last year and holding on to him, I, I didn't mind as bad. I mean, I needed him, and it came out to be turned out well when he did join my team, and he gave me a push towards the playoffs. But the fact that he – all year I kept thinking I, I got him – I'm in an auction league where I had him, and I got him for real cheap, and that was my plan all year. Was I was thinking of this season right now, not last year at all with him, and the fact he couldn't put down the blunt for five seconds just just yeah. ruined all my plans. I hope he's aware of that. I hope he's happy he ruined my, my fantasy football plans. We're going to head to commercial break. We'll come back. We'll We'll tell you how you can win tickets to tonight's Louisville City versus Orlando match at Louisville Slugger Field. Uh, I've got a little surprise for you guys. So stick around here on 1450 Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking a new bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack. The Sports Talker with TJ Walker. No shirt, no shoes, no tie show. <laughs> Presented by Allen Electric. <laughs> The sports buzz, another gorgeous day. This good weather streak is lasting, uh, it's lasting a while. And the good news is it's great weather, so you enjoy it and you love it. The bad news is, Trevor, I've just got a feeling the, the first Saturday, football Saturday, when UK is playing Louisiana Lafayette, it's just either going to downpour or be hot and sticky or terrible. Something, something bad's going to happen. We're not going to, this good weather is not going to stick around forever. Yeah, that's going to – what would you prefer if you had to pick between the two lesser of two evils? Go for downpour or hot and sticky? Ooh, that's a, that, I, I think most people would just say hot and sticky, and that would be that. It, it depends on the downpour. Would it be guaranteed to be downpouring for the duration of the game, or would it be you know a chance where it could break up and it, it'd be a little cooler because of the rain? I'm or is it a guaranteed downpour for three hours? I'm, I'm, what tears me is, as a fan, I prefer downpour. Because my my 
experience once you've already been sitting in it for 20 seconds you're not going to get much wetter i mean you're, you're already going to be soaked so you might as well just keep going at least that's the mindset i did when i went to see little one florida state and that and that downpour of course a couple of bottles of whiskey doesn't help the, the situation either but that's no here nor there but but the downpour as a fan i don't mind it but also as a fan i hate it because that means the game's going to be really nasty and it's not going to be just the 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 the, 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 the the best quality game that you could get, and also, and if you're Kentucky or whoever whoever you're rooting for, if you're playing someone who's even less talented, a downpour can also lead to a better chance at an upset in a situation that you wouldn't get in a normal weather game. Yeah, for me, if it was just if it was for my preference, I would go with downpour because rain doesn't bother me as long me as it's not a freezing cold rain, but. Uh, in in August or in September or early October, it's not going to be a freezing cold rain. But I would take a downpour. But for the sake of the people I'd be going with and that I know wouldn't like rain, I'd probably just pick sticking hot because I'm a man of the people and I want my friends and and family to be happy. And I know that they would they would everybody else but me seemingly hates rain. So I, I would probably pick. Hot and sticky for them, but Kentucky, and again, knock on wood, but Kentucky has a unbelievable streak of having good weather at home games. And I, I kept track of it, I think, two years ago, maybe even the year before that, where bad weather games were few and far between. Uh, last season, I can't remember if there was one bad weather game. There might have been one that was pretty hot, but I, I can't remember the last time it rained at a game at Commonwealth Stadium. Again, knock on wood because I think we I think I just sealed our fate for the <laughs> September fifth in Lexington to just be terrible showers and lightning. But um, it, it's been a while since you've had bad weather at Commonwealth Stadium. I, you would remember more than I would. I can't. I'm doing going through my brain and, and cutting through the fog and the and the mist that is uh, looms through my uh, memory banks, and I can't recall one. But I'm sure there's there's been one. I mean, I I know Louisville, Kentucky played in one in 2002. Yeah, well, that, that was well, the lightning there, bowl. There, there, there's been bad weather games since 2002. <laughs> I promise you that. 13 years? I don't know. That's a good run. <laughs> 2007 against Mississippi State. That game, I think, was oh, was it late late October, early November, and it was UK. It was not a good Mississippi State team, and UK. Yeah. I was thinking at home, though. I wasn't thinking on the road. By no, the way, I'm I'm talking at home. Oh. I, in 2007, they played Mississippi State at home. And the weather was, uh, it was early November, but it sn- there were snow flurries. So the weather is terrible. It's freezing cold. UK was playing a team that they were favored in. That was the year they beat, you know, LSU and Louisville. Yeah. And I was thinking, year, I, I, thought that was, I thought that was on the road, though. I might be, you, you'd know better now. I was thinking that was at Mississippi State, though, because it was a new no, game. that 2007 game was, was at home that they played awful in yeah. and lost. I was there. And that's why I unfortunately remember it. That's one of those games you wish you could forget. Yeah. Uh, but that weather was terrible then. And then I'm sure, I mean, I'm trying to think of when I was in college. And, and I, if I didn't have to cover the games, I would go to them. And I can't even remember a home game when I was in college where the weather was bad. The The Vanderbilt game that they lost 40 to nothing, it, everything about that day seemed dark and gloomy. I, I, I think it was cold and just miserable to be there. But that also could be biased just for the from the play on the field but Kentucky's been lucky with with good weather from what I can remember in years past oh. Louisville has, they had the Cincinnati game which was rainy they've had a few more bad weather games I think you'd trade bad weather for a few more wins though wouldn't you um yeah I, I think anybody would the, trade the, bad the, weather. the weather may have been good over the last couple of years but the uh results in the field have been less than uh been imperfect weather like that's a uh, you know what Trevor that's another just great point. You're right. I, I again, you remind is, that, UK is this fans, sarcasm? By the way, I don't know. It, it is sarcasm. <laughs> again, you remind UK fans that they, the football program has been down over the past few years. I feel. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm in a, like a Big Bang Sheldon Cooper moment where I'm like I'm wondering if this is sarcasm or not. I'm confused. We uh, we we did trivia last night and there was a Big Bang Theory question. I forget which one it was. Uh, we had a few big Big Bang Theory people at our table though, so they. They got it right, but this was a question from Trivia last night that surprised me, and we didn't get right. Nobody in – well, we didn't get right. Um, Roger didn't text me. Which NFL team has been to the playoffs the most? Uh, I'd probably say um, – that's a very good question. Steelers? 
we thought, okay, Steelers, Green Bay, and, and Dallas are all right there. They have to be all right there. Yeah, but Dallas missed a ton in the 80s. Well, we and that's what we did. We kind of broke down decade by decade who had been the most consistent, and we decided to go with Green Bay despite them being pretty bad in the 80s. Uh, but they've been dominant. Well, they were dominant in the 90s and in the 2000s, and then currently they've been dominant. So we went with Green Bay. Turns out nobody in the place got the question right, surprising everybody. It was the New York football giants. I thought, I thought that, too. That, they, they, I would have never guessed that. You their name popped up in my head. You probably could have given me 10 teams, and I wouldn't have got it. They've been to 31. Second is the Cowboys, I'm pretty sure, at 30. And then third is Green Bay at 29. So all of them are within two. You got to think the Giants were all, were good during well, they were bad in the seventies, but they were well, they were but they were good in the eighties and good in the night, and they've always been solid at least decently solid in, since then, basically even outside their nineteen ninety one Super Bowl win, nineteen ninety, excuse me. Yeah, um, so that was that was a fun, that was one of the good sports trivia questions from from last night that we unfortunately did not not get right. We were in second place going to the last question. They've got a Jeopardy style where you wager points, and we ended up getting it wrong the last question because the guy, we misheard him or he misread it, depending on on who you ask. But you have to categorize four events, and, well, I don't really. Uh, well, remind me at the 5 o'clock hour to, to do that, uh, to tell you what that trivia question I'm gonna was. Rem- I'm going to remind you next Sunday to call me on trivia night so I can come and bit, hang out with you guys and do trivia. That's what I'm reminding you of. Our team is getting huge. We're up to like nine or ten people. But you know what? There's always room for Trevor. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do. When we come back, we're going to have Jason Ensign from the Louisville Coopers. We're going to talk about tonight's match against Orlando. I had two tickets to give away. And we talked about yesterday how to give them away. What I'm going to do is just do a random draw of people that retweeted my initial tweet. Uh, It ended up not being as many people as I thought. It ended up being like 10 or 11. So if you retweeted it, you have a good chance. If you retweet now, uh, you can... You you still have a chance to retweet. If you're listening to the show and you retweeted, let me know. It might help your chances a little bit. Not that the draw will be skewed, but it, it could help your chances. So maybe we'll maybe we'll throw your name in the hat twice. Um, but here's the big surprise. We're going to have Jason Inson. He has two tickets to give away. So I'm going to give him away for him later on in the show. So we have four tickets to give away. I'm going to break them up two and two. The Louisville Coopers are donating two tickets to the show uh, which is I'm very thankful for the Coopers to to be able to do that. So they have two more to give away. I have two to get away. So two sets of people are going to walk away after this show with with two tickets to tonight's Louisville City match. With I'm told they've already sold around 8,500 tickets. Trevor, I think I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, they were up to I think I think I saw it, it was 8,000 last I saw, but that was like an hour ago. Yeah, it was uh, somebody a source texted me and said that they were around 8,500, and that was around an hour ago and. I wouldn't. I would easily expect ten thousand people there, if not more. Uh, beautiful night to get out to the ballpark. So we're already running behind, but going to take a commercial break. We're going to talk soccer when we come back. I'm sure that segment will be prolonged. We won't take our initial break at five o'clock. So stick around here on fourteen fifty. The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Presented by Allen Electric. Sports Buzz, Sports Soccer with T.J. Walker, brought to you by Al Electric, Kentucky Anna's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP for any electrical service. Al Electric will never leave you in the dark without wasting any time. From the Louisville Coopers, the support group of Louisville City, the main support group of Louisville City FC, Jason Ince. Jason, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for coming on. Glad to have you. What? 
how are you prepping for tonight's big match against Louisville City's first MLS opponent at home? Uh, just trying to get as many people as we can out here. Uh, pretty much going to do the same thing as we normally do. We're going to have our march at about 645. Uh, hopefully make as much noise as we can and head on into the stadium and celebrate. With, we're, we're looking at a crowd possibly of 10,000 tonight, so it looks like it's going to be a great night. What would and it, I, I've I've said for a while now that I think you get ten thousand people there tonight for this match. What's going to be your official guess for how many fans make their way out to Louisville Slugger? Well, as of this morning, they said they had seventy five hundred tickets pre sold, so they've already had to open up additional sections of the stadium that normally don't get don't get offered. Uh, I think if everybody uses their tickets, we're looking at probably ten thousand. I would say. You have some attrition, unfortunately, traffic and things like that. Nine, I would be disappointed if we have fewer than 9,000 here tonight. I, I, I think they'll easily get 9,000, but you're, you're being realistic. You're weighing everything, so I, I can understand it from that standpoint. Uh, so there is a match to be had. I think a lot of people are getting caught up with the excitement of having so many people, the exposure this game has brought to Louisville because it's been on all the news, uh, whether it's radio, TV, everybody's been talking about this. But there actually is a match to be played tonight. Uh, what can you tell us about Orlando City? I know that a, a few of their stars will be sitting out. So what can you? What can uh, the average fan expect in tonight's match? I think what you'll probably end up expecting tonight is to see uh, the regulars from both sides probably play about 30, maybe 45 minutes. Uh, obviously, both teams have important matches this Saturday. I uh, look at Louisville City, obviously, still trying to chase down uh, Rochester, so we need to win every match to do that. And Orlando right now is in a stretch where they've lost um, four or five in a row, and they have a match this Saturday against Chicago, who's the last place team in the MLS. They have to win that in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. So they're going to need to get guys rested. Um, they're going to have two players who will be suspended for that match as well, so they're going to need to make sure that they don't get any injuries. Brett Shea probably will not play. If he does, it'll be limited time because he is also nursing injury. So results-wise, it's going to be really difficult to predict this. I think this is one of those matches where you're not so much focused on the results as you are guys going out and not getting hurt. And we'll get to see some things from some of the players in terms of them expressing themselves individually that you wouldn't see during a regular match. And you kind of touched on this briefly. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a statement, and I want you to tell me why I'm right or wrong, or just give me a counterstatement. Give me a rebuttal. I'm excited for tonight's match mainly because of the crowd. I think it's going to be a zoo of an atmosphere. It's going to be fun to see them play against MLS team. But the more I think about it, give me to Saturday. I, I want to try to continue to keep this momentum. I want to see Louisville City continue to separate themselves from the third-place team. I want to see if they can if they can catch Rochester. Uh, the the Orlando itself isn't as appealing as I thought it once would be, although it's going to be a fun atmosphere out there, and, and I think if you have a chance to get out to the match tonight, you should definitely do that. But I, I wish it was a USL opponent that all this hype was surrounding. Oh, absolutely. And I think that with the playoffs looming and the fact that Saturday we're playing a Pittsburgh team that isn't playoff uh, contention right now, currently they would hold the last spot in the East. It's going to be an important match. Again, we're five points behind Rochester. We have five matches to go, so it's essentially a 15-point um, pool to play with. We need Rochester to lose at least two matches in order to catch. So we can't slip up at all. This is our final Saturday home game coming up this weekend, so I think a lot of people that are coming tonight are new fans. I think this is perfect to set up an atmosphere for Saturday where we may get a lot of people that have never been before. They come tonight, they have fun, and they're out there for Saturday for a very important match. Yeah, and it's it's been every time we talk about a match, there's always something else going on in the city. Uh, tonight, you know, the State Fair is still going on, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Saturday night it seemed like a good night, but then again, you're competing with a, a Saturday of the State Fair. It seems like there's always something but where do we – it seems like Louisville City has been in a lot of drama lately, whether it's the plaque with the Louisville bats and then it's Wayne Estopinol mentioning that another city may want uh, a USL team as in Louisville City. So what's the latest with all those things? Where does Louisville City stand after their meeting with the mayor? Is the relations with the bats, have the, everything there been settled? Is the plaque up? Kind of fill us in on some of these uh, – the, the drama that's gone on the last week. 
Well, the plaque's not up yet. Uh, we're not sure when it's going to go up. That That's still to be determined between uh, Louisville City and the Bats. We're hoping that everything kind of gets cleared up, and maybe this weekend we can have it unveiled. In regards to the meeting, um, there was a nice article in the Courier Journal today. It looks like it was a very promising meeting. It looks like the city is, um, you know, very pleased with everything that's happened. Everybody that's involved in this wants to get a stadium deal done, keep this team here, and, and grow what's been an amazing first season. I think when it's all said and done, I think everything will kind of get cleared up in terms of the plaque. I think that um, I don't see the team moving anywhere at all. I think that was something that it looks like may have been not necessarily misquoted, but misinterpreted as to what he was saying, or it may have just been a bargaining ploy. Who knows? Either way, the team's not going anywhere. The the support here has been, you know, phenomenal, and I don't see anybody realistically looking at moving this team anywhere else. Uh, I know a lot of Louisville City fans that uh, would be pretty devastated if, if that were to happen. A team comes in, you get to know it, you like it, the the city kind of falls in love with it to a certain extent, and then for it to move would just be devastating. I, I don't think that's going to happen either. And thought it was thought it was interesting. I, is there anything, you know, it's going to be a long time before this team, if it were to ever be in the MLS, but there was a quote about Indianapolis wanting to get a stadium and St. Louis hoping to get an MLS team. And obviously Cincinnati is going to get a USL team. And, and there was the quote that if one of those teams makes it to the MLS, it likely means the other ones will not. Do you buy that quote? And how important is it that Louisville continues to make this push forward uh, to get a stadium and to to give the MLS something serious to look at? I I do think that is a very realistic concern. Uh, when you look at the fact that this region, we already have a club in Chicago, we have a club in Columbus, um, you have a, a large number of, of cities in this area that are vying for that. And obviously when they go to expand, they're going to want to go to big markets. They also they'll want to get a presence in this region. So I think we're competing not just against these other cities, but the fact that any other expansion, they're going to try to go to big places like looking at Sacramento, looking at places that already have established professional markets. Um, so it's very important that we continue this push of high fan turnout, which we're beating St. Louis in fan turnout easily. Um, we're, we're behind Indianapolis, but they're a little bit of a different, uh, different setup there, but we're already catching them. So it's very important that we get our own stadium and continue to build that momentum, like you said earlier. Yeah, it, it, it's only grown. And I think when you head into year two, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, but if this ends up being a championship USL team, uh, that would do nothing but help. And it's a really good team, and it looks like it's got a good foundation as well. Year two, uh, I think this thing's only going to grow as it moves on, uh, like I've said before, though. But first off, if people want to march with the Coopers tonight, tell them where to meet, and then give me a prediction for the match. Uh, so, as always, we'll be gathering at O'Shea's and Troll Pub on uh, Washington Street. We'll have the march around 645, 650 to the stadium. If you, you know, are at the stadium and you just want to hop into the march and join in, that works too. And in regards to a prediction tonight, honestly, the only thing that I want is no injuries for either team and lots of goals. I, I'm perfectly fine with Scotty not having a clean sheet tonight. I, I want everybody to kind of uh, come out, see guys doing some spectacular individual skills, and I'm perfectly fine with a 10-9 scoreline. Louisville City obviously winning, of course. Well, that, that would be something for the <laughs> for the record crowd that's going to be out there tonight. And then the Louisville Coopers were nice enough to donate two tickets to the show, and, and we're going to give them away. Do you have any preference on how I give these tickets away, Jason? Uh, any 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 preference at all? No, I mean these are uh, these are tickets that are given to us in terms of media stuff. So we're gladly donating them to you guys. If you want to have a contest, if you just want people to you know that haven't gotten to come to a match, maybe that are interested. If you want to do it for first timers, we don't care as long as they show up and they use the tickets. That's that's all we're concerned about. Okay, then you know what? That's a good idea about the first timers. I think that's what we're going to do. So if you're a first timer, tweet me or call in to the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line. 502-384-1450, or tweet me at twalkerrivals. If you have never been to a match before, you'll get two tickets tonight match. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for joining us. I'll, I'm sure I'll see you out there tonight at Louisville Slugger Field. It should be an electric atmosphere. I look forward to it, and thanks for having us on as always.
As always, we like to talk to the Louisville Coopers, the best support group out there. And that was Jason Inch. We need to head to commercial break. Call in if you've never been to Match and you want those tickets. Otherwise, we're, we've got two other tickets that we're going to give away. We're going to do a random draw. If you retweeted my initial tweet, you're entered to win those two tickets. So we've got tickets. Uh, we got a plethora of tickets. So if you want some, let us know. 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones. Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked a left on 21 and Lewis, some brothers shooting dice. So I said, let's do this. I jumped out the ride and said, what's up? Some brothers pulled some heat, so I said, I'm since these girls peeping me, I'm gonna glide and swerve. These looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want to make a better things than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in mix. I'm getting jacked. Who dumped a whole truckload of fizzies into the swim meet? Who delivered the medical school cadavers to the alumni dinner? Every Halloween, the trees are filled with underwear. Every spring, the toilets explode. You're talking about... The Sports Talker. Of course I'm talking about... T.J. Walker. You twerp! That was a fun intro there, Trevor. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones. It's an oldie but a goodie. I've got my my one a buddy sitting in on the show. My buddy Sean, he's just down here hanging out, waiting to go to the Louisville City match after the show to get down there and tailgate a little bit. Uh, he he was cracking up during it, so you got his seal of approval. That's that's all I require in life. Good, good stuff. Uh, okay, so we're giving away tickets. If you're a first timer, tweet into the show at T Walker Rival, Rivals. Excuse me. Or call into the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzzline, 502-384-1450, and you will win some tickets. Uh, and those are courtesy of the Coopers. Now, the tickets that I'm giving away, courtesy of Louisville City FC, that they they like the show and they give me tickets to give away sometimes for some reason. Uh, what we're going to do here is just, if you retweeted my tweet earlier, we're going to just do a random draw. I've gone through everybody that has retweeted, probably spent too much time on this, assign them a number, and Trevor, what you're going to do is you're going to pick out three numbers for me. The first number, obviously, is going to be the winner. The second number is going to be if I can't get a hold of that person. And the third number is going to be if I can't get a hold of that person. So uh, you give me – I've got them all. Oh, we do have a tweet into the show about a first-time listener wanting the tickets uh, from Curry Nicholson. So, I, I, Trevor, I know you said Yates wanted to be uh, – the old, old DJ Yates was a first-timer that was interested in landing the tickets. But he didn't call in or tweet into the show. He did. I think he did retweet earlier, though. I didn't. He notice. retweeted earlier, so he's in the drawing for the other tickets. Okay. But I, I. But for the first, for the people that have never been to a game, I'm doing their own little separate pool. So Curry Nicholson, you're going to be the winner of these two tickets, uh, since it's your first time. And I'll, I'll direct message you on Twitter, and as long as you're following me, and make sure that we can get those tickets to you. Of course, he's uh, following so, you. Who doesn't follow TJ? Man. How many followers kind of, do you have, TJ? I've I've kind of been at a lull lately. Um, I, I don't think people pre. I don't because I don't. If I just focus on basketball recruiting stuff, I'm sure I'd have a lot more followers. I've got 3,600, uh, but I tweet about all this other stupid stuff that people don't give a crap about. So I, I lose followers in that sense. But you know what? It's my Twitter account. I'm going to run it how I want to run it. So you've got 3,600. I think I've got 360. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, close. But then Close again, you, you you follow me, and you know you're one of my 360, along with the uh, other 300 spam accounts, more than likely. But you know that I don't, I just don't tweet a lot. I just you tweet more. You don't you tweet uh, uh, you don't tweet as much as most writers do. I know that, but you still I don't tweet hardly at all. I mean, I'm like once yeah. every couple of days tweet. I'm light according. Uh, I'm I'm light when you compare me to a lot of writers. Uh, there are some writers that I I did the math on this one. I'm not going to call them out. Who averaged eighty-five tweets a day? Oh, I, that, that, I would guess, but there's eighty-five tweets a day. I could probably guess seven to ten names and 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 
think that all of them would be right. There's, uh, there's nobody that tweets more than this guy. And I like the guy. But think about that. 85 tweets is his average. So that means some days, usually probably game days, he's probably tweeting 150 times a day because I'm sure there's some Sundays or when he's got family stuff to do or whatever it may be that he may only tweet 30 times. But you think about it, 30 times is still a ton to tweet but that would bring down his average to where he could probably tweet 120 or something like that some days. So that's a ridiculous amount. Two things. One, I want you to tell me his name off the uh, either off the air through text or uh, Skype, whatever it may be, because I'd like to know who it is. And two, I know I know this is I can't complain about this, but it always annoys me is when the the beat writers during a game will tweet every play by play that's going on during the game. I mean, it just, it just gets on my last. That's one reason why I took the uh, the Twitter's the Twitter text thing. Or I used to get some writers when they tweeted go right to my phone as a text because I don't check Twitter enough. So I found it'd be easier to do that. But during game days, I, I mean a UFL UK game because I'd follow you know a handful of writers for both teams. I I would I'd get 200, 300, 400 texts during a game, and it just it yeah. just got so old. And I don't understand why you have to do it every play. I mean yeah. every, every timeout put the update up there. It's like come on if if you're doing Sometimes it for people. I'm on the road at recruiting events, I hate tweeting. A lot, you know, I, I just like tweeting observations, not so much the score. But I mean, there's some guys that will tweet every single play as if the during like a a, a U of L or UK game that's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> people are watching the game, man. And if they're not, they're not following you for real time updates. Uh, I I will tell you the person off the air, but I'm gonna make you guess first. Okay. Um, but before we do that, let's give away these two tickets via the show, uh, donated by Louisville City FC because we already got rid of the the tickets from the Coopers. All right, so I need you to guess a number. Uh, we we had 15 people retweet it. I need you to guess the uh, number one through 15. Give me three. Give me three numbers. Well, the winner will be the jersey number of a man who just had it number retired by the Eagles last year. Number five, Donovan McNabb. Okay. Uh, the next number will be the ultimate weapon. He was uh, MVP in 1990. Number 12, Randall Cunningham. Number 12. Oh, well, you're going to like who number 12 is. Uh, it's the ultimate weapon, Randall Cunningham. Uh, okay. And last but not least, uh, you know what? Hell, I've got all three of their autographs on a great piece hanging in my uh, in my little man cave. Let's go with the Polish uh, rocket himself, number seven, Ron Jaworski. Okay. Uh, here, <laughs> we've got some problem with these numbers. All right. The first one is... Donovan McNabb it is a co-host from time to time and roommate of mine, Charlie. And I don't know how fair that is. Your fall guy. No, your no. fall guy can't win it. So he was number five and that's who you said first. Um, I'm okay with not letting him win if, if you don't want to, <laughs> um, uh, but that is who, that is who we have. And so we can talk about that. Second is the radio station, 1450, <laughs> which would either be you or the station. And that's, again, another, that's probably not very fair. People are going to think we rigged this thing. And then third is actually somebody I don't know that actually played by the rules. And, well, everybody played by the rules. It's just you did a, a, a sketchy job picking them. So what do we do here, Trevor? I, I, let's, let's go to Ron Jaworski, number seven, then. Sorry, Charlie. Okay. Didn't mean uh, to rhyme there. Yeah, yeah. You just cost Charlie twelve bucks, man. <laughs> Tell him I, I'll get him back as long as he can take an out-of-state two-party check. Yeah, he's not gonna like that. So the winner is—he doesn't exist anyway, really. And I don't know. Again, I don't know who this person is, but Katia and their their Twitter name is at Red Ketchup uh, with a, a three instead of instead of an E in ketchup. But I do like ketchup, so you do love ketchup. This is uh, this is a good thing. So. I will get in touch with her. If she's not able to get it, then I, we might just have to give it to, to old Chuck. Uh, if she's not because able. You gave me three numbers and two of them we couldn't do. <laughs> uh, so I apologize to everybody else that didn't win. Uh, give me another number just in case. If Katia can't go or doesn't, I can't get a hold of her, give me one more and then I'll try to do that person. Uh, you're, you're hurting me here because we haven't had that many good quarterbacks in Philadelphia over the last Why don't you do old Tim Couch number two? Uh, uh, okay, Tim Couch number two. A nice fella named James Key who retweeted me. Uh, if not Katia, then, then we'll reach out to him uh, again if I can get a hold of him. I'm, so go, there we I'm go. going There's for Ron Jaworski, though. 
that seemed to be a, a, a bit harder than I was planning on it, Trevor. I didn't expect it. <laughs> I, and by the way, I am the one that retweeted that from the studio, uh, from the station account. So uh, should I get my own tickets? But but let it be known, people listening at home, I'm I'm in Louisville. The station is in southern Indiana, so I'm not with Trevor. He had no idea what my numbers were no. of randomizing the people that retweeted. Uh, it just it, it worked out that way. Unless Trevor can read minds or something. Now, if I could do that, I wouldn't be working here. I'd be in Vegas right now rolling in the dough. Nice. Which I will be doing uh, once I win the World Championship Fantasy Football. Uh, so you all you did was just apply and you got in? Do they just take any old any old? If you're willing to pay the money, they'll take you in. Now, don't get me wrong, the, the amount of money, and I, I will keep it off the record uh, how much I paid. I'm splitting a team with someone, though, so it's not as bad. But the Where amount was of- my fight? You complain about not getting invites to trivia, but where's my invite to go to Vegas for fantasy football? Do you want you want you're welcome to come if you want to ride with us? You want to go? You're driving? With? No, we're flying, but you can go with us. Oh, okay. Um, where where are you where are you staying in Vegas? Uh, that I'm not sure just yet. Probably uh, no, no, we're really. I think last year we stayed at the last time I was there. I stayed at the Westin, which I, which was awesome because uh, my hotel room oh. overlooked the corner where uh, Tupac was shot. Off of me, right off the strip on Flamingo Avenue. So you I'm, know Tupac's still alive, right? Well, I didn't say he got shot to death. I just said he got shot. Yeah, good. I know he's alive. He's hanging out with Elvis at the Waffle House. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? To, we've we've got about thirteen minutes left on the show today, uh, and we're running out of out of things to talk about. Uh, did there was a? I meant to talk about this yesterday, so we'll go with that. Uh, Fran for, for our buddy from ESPN, Fran Fraschilla said that Jamal Murray, and we probably should ask Doster this, Jamal Murray will average 17 points a game, uh, which would put him for the a Calipari player at UK with the most points per game along with Brandon Knight. You think that's realistic for, for our boy Jamal? Uh, seven. That's a lot of point total for a team that's got depth on it. Um, now, keep in mind, if Labissier misses a large chunk of time for being ineligible, then maybe... That point total can go up that high, but I'd really be shocked if he's averaging 17 points a game. I think people. I'm listen, I'm, I'm not trying to, to be the hater here about Jamal Murray, but I and I'm not saying I'm completely picking sides between you and Doster on the great uh, is Murray overhyped debate of the summer. But it is getting a little. It's Chad Ford had him going number four in the draft today in his his new mock draft. Now I know it's a very early mock draft. I get that, but. It's starting to get a little annoyed to me. I'm getting a little annoyed by the the amount of hype he is getting for just what he did in the Pan Am games. I mean, against guys that, I mean, weren't. I'm not saying they weren't any good, but just were the lowest level of a, of of world competition from each country. I, if he shows, I mean, he can shut me up, and I'll say I should have been on the board with everybody else. If he comes into the season and plays that well again, and continues to play that well through the year, but. At this point now, this so early before the season, it's just starting to get a little annoying to me. Well, maybe it's the Louisville fan in me. I don't know. I, I, I think most of that probably is the Louisville fan. In That's me. probably why. And, and I think you're also probably just uh, you're subjected to hearing Doster and I every Tuesday argue whether or not he's going to be good, and I can imagine that gets annoying. <laughs> and also it probably you know you you probably are in the middle of that saying yeah he's probably going to be good but not unbelievable so then when you hear other people talking about that he's going to be unbelievable they're agreeing with old old man tj that probably bugs you a little bit that doesn't bug me but you're right i mean it is the and, I, and i'm in the middle i i was impressed i'm not gonna say i wasn't but it is i just feel like the, the hype is starting to get bigger and bigger without him even now that even the pan am games are over with I mean, that, and it's the hype is still just, it's still growing. And I'm afraid that, I don't know, maybe I'm just afraid that it's getting to the point where it's just getting too big and getting to be where it's almost becoming like a legend story before he even hits the court. Well, it makes you wonder if people maybe have been listening to the show. Well, I doubt that. You think maybe our boy <laughs> Fran's been tuning in and, and knowing just how good he's going to be? Uh, here's, I, I think 17 points may be a little high. I think it'll probably be around 15. But the difference between Jamal Murray and Brandon Knight, who I think are similar scores, is Brandon Knight really had Deron Lamb, who his freshman year could just hang out on the perimeter and shoot threes and did not do much of anything else. 
but yeah, Terrence Jones on the inside who could go to his left, and really that's all he did. And really that was it for UK scoring Brandon Knight's one year. So you could see how he could average so many points. Jamal Murray, you're going to have Isaiah Briscoe who can score. Tyler Ulis is going to be able to score. Uh, Michael Mulder was a you know a 48, 46, three-point uh, shot, 46% from three-point. In Juco, you're going to have Scalabissier, who a lot of people are predicting number one or number two in the draft. So you're going to have a lot more scorers on a team that I don't think Brandon Knight had. So I think 17 points is probably too high, but 14 or 15 I don't think is is, is unrealistic. I would expect if you had if you put a told me you know you have to predict how many points this is I would probably I'd go more closer between like twelve and fourteen I'd say fourteen be max but I think you'd be more closer to like a twelve top high twelve twelve point six twelve point seven type yeah we'll see he'll gonna... have ga- he'll have games where I think he blows up but he's gonna I mean he's still a freshman and you're still gonna probably have a game or two where he's gonna probably have only maybe five or six points in the game and maybe struggle a little bit. There may be more than one or two of those, and that's going to bring your average down. Yeah, but how many twenty-point games is he going to have? Uh, over twenty-point games, I don't. Probably, I just, probably, you know, a handful. I would say I would say no more. I would say max five, but I don't know if he'd even be that high. I would say probably maybe three or four most. Here is a a question that somebody texted into me because I wanted to talk about it yesterday. Didn't get around to it, and then saw a UK media member tweet about it in a, in a way last night. And I thought about getting into it with them about the tweet, but I figured, Hey, I'll just wait till my radio show. And it, it was, I was kind of feeling lazy last night. Or they but, can't talk back either. They can't tweet back. Yeah, so you can just now. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to get into, but I, I wanted to open the debate to him and, and maybe have other people um, play along. But I figured, Hey, let's just go, let's go with our buddy Trevor and see what he says. So, you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and mention who the person was. It, it was, Kyle Tucker tweeted out his bold predictions for UK football season at the Courier Journal, um, and that, it was that's good your stuff. boy, by the way. You and Kyle are tight like that, ain't you? Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I didn't mean to say that I wanted to to call him out, but you're, you're travel buddies. I remember I used but, to have him on my show. He told me you'd be traveling in the back, riding in the back seat while he was doing interviews with me. It was like one time, but <laughs> but uh, I, I do remember that time though. But anyways, he, he tweeted some bold predictions, and one of them was that UK would be seven and five. I agreed with that. Uh, I agreed with most of them, but one of them I thought was kind of strange. He said that one of his bold predictions was UK would sell out a game and almost thought it was a joke, like, hey, they're going to sell out a game. To me, it's kind of a no-brainer that they're going to sell out some football games this year, Trevor. And, and it reminded me of the discussion we got in not too long ago, probably a few months now, where if UK doesn't sell out the home opener, is that UK's fault? Is it the fans' fault? And I guess the same thing could be said about the entire season. If UK doesn't sell out one game, whose fault is that? Because I tend to side with it being UK's fault for not making the tickets more available. But at some point, it also could fall on the fans. So let's reopen that debate here for the final five minutes of our show today. Uh, is, if, are you asking me, do I think they can could go all season without selling out a game? Is that what you're, you're kind of asking yeah, but, me? Yeah, I want to know that too. Um, it's, it's possible. I mean, it, if they don't sell out the first game and then they put up some huge clunker at South Carolina, I could see maybe the Florida game in week three, not selling out, but that would be that on that game to me is going to be a sellout. I mean, you'd have to put up like a struggle against uh, maybe a, a lot, lot, not blowout win over Louisiana, say maybe only a 14 point win, uh, which falls felt well short of your 32 point spread that you gave me. Uh, and then maybe and had to be really bad at South Carolina for them not to sell out Florida, because that game to me is is probably going to be a sellout. Now the other games that you look at at sellouts, if the season obviously starts very poorly with losses, maybe to South Carolina, Florida, and Missouri, I could see the Auburn game, despite being a Thursday night game, falling a little short of a sellout. But that one's going to be hard to be a not to be a sellout to me. Um, outside of that, and then Louisville, of course, it depends how the season goes, but would be very close. Those are three games to me. That especially Florida, especially that because so, so it's so early in the season. There's going to be so much still hype about it that that game to me is probably almost a lock to be a sellout. Well, I've said that the first game should be a sellout, and I stand by that. Uh, ticket numbers indicate it could be close if fans get. It, it really could come down to the weather, Trevor. I think the weather's going to be rhymes. nice. I, I think you could have a lot of fans just say, "Oh, what the hell? I'll go out there check out the new stadium." 
So it wouldn't be completely unrealistic to see, to see the first game sold out. It seems like it's it's up in the air, maybe 50-50 at this point, uh, just like if whether or not the stadium is going to be complete. But I also <laughs> do agree with you that Florida game is going to be have a great chance to sell out. And then if they win the Missouri game the following week, I think that's a great chance to sell yeah. out. Because then you could have UK at 2-1 and one or 3-0 and oh if they go down and beat South Carolina. If they go down and beat South Carolina and they're 2-0 and oh, pl- hosting Florida for a 7-30 game, that will be a sellout. Yeah, I there's will, no doubt about I'll, that. I'll bet my radio show on it that that is a sellout. So if I lost, then you could yeah, – Trevor, you could host the show for a week. You could give it to Yates. You could do whatever you <laughs> want with it. That would be a sellout if they start 2-0. and oh. um, We'll see if that happens or not. If they start 2-1 th- uh, and one and they are playing Missouri, that's another great chance to sell out. Uh, the Tennessee game will have, be – Have they announced a time on that Missouri game yet? The one that's no, good I'm looking they, at still has a TBA. They won't do that till September 14th is when they'll give a time for that game. Okay. Um, but then then the Tennessee game, I skipped the Auburn game. But the Auburn game on Thursday night, that also has a chance to be a sellout. If UK is going into that game 4-1, and one, Sell they out. beat Florida, they beat Missouri, lose to South Carolina, and Auburn comes to town likely as a top-10 team, that should be a sellout too. And then you know you, you maybe you lose that, maybe you lose at Mississippi State. Then Tennessee on Halloween, that would be tough to be a sellout regardless because of the Breeders' Cup being in town. Uh, A source told me that you can expect that game to be a night game, uh, which, you know, that could give you the chance to watch the Breeders' Cup head on over to Commonwealth. Traffic will be a nightmare. Uh, That would be tougher to to determine. Charlotte probably won't be a sellout. That'll be cold. Eh, It'll be not, not a great game. But then if Kentucky's in a situation where they're five and six heading into the Louisville game, or even if they're six and five and that game, you know, if they win that game, maybe they go to the to the Peach Bowl versus the Music City Bowl. If they're playing for a for a bowl spot or just playing to make a bowl or to improve their bowl spot versus just making a bowl, either way, that Louisville game I think would also be close to a sellout, if not a sellout. It might it might depend on how Louisville season's going to see how many people make the trip down sixty-four. But I think there are four chances for sellouts this season. They will get a sellout. Uh, you know what? There's five chances for sellouts this season. So I, I wouldn't consider that a bold prediction to say that one of those five, they end up selling out tickets. I, I say a bold prediction would be having three or four sellouts. And I think that's more realistic than just having one. If, if, if UK has a winning record of any kind in their first five games going into that Thursday night game against Auburn, and they don't sell out, then their fans deserve every joke they get about not caring about football. Because if they, I don't care if they're three and two going in that Auburn game with those nights, that sells out. They have to have a, as long as they're a winning record of any kind, that game is there's no there's no reasoning whatsoever that shouldn't be a sellout on Thursday night against Auburn. Now the question is, if UK doesn't get a sellout this season, is it the fans' fault or UK fault? Because in in some regard, okay, UK built this new stadium. Uh, they put a ton of money into the football program. If fans don't show up, they don't show up. On the other hand you got to make tickets accessible. You have to make them affordable, and you also have to put a good product on the field. So in your mind, let's let's say UK doesn't sell out a game this year and they finish 6-6. Six and six. Oh, well, Let's say they finish 5-7 and seven like last year. They don't sell out one game. Is that UK's fault or is that the fans' fault? Um... So, so keep in mind, if they finish the year 5-7 and seven, – I guess it doesn't necessarily mean they go into that Louisville game five and six. I guess theoretically they could be four and seven and they beat Louisville, but they're they're let's just say they're playing for a bowl against Louisville. They that's the kind of season they have, and they don't sell out one ticket or they don't sell out one game. Is that UK's or the fans' fault? I'm gonna say you know what I'm actually gonna call. I'm gonna put this one on the fans because last year with last year's team, despite the way it kind of collapsed at the end. You should still have lot, have optimism going into the season, and you should at least sell. I think, yeah, if you don't sell out one game, if you're going to tell me that one, the closest they came were maybe just a couple hundred tickets short of a sellout, then I'm then I don't know if it's really anybody to blame. But in, in that scenario, I'm going with the fans. There's no excuse right there. You should. There's plenty of opportunities to sell the game, and if you're that record, which means you're being competitive throughout the year at some in some way or another, then you should be able to sell out of Florida or in Auburn or even in Louisville in this case? The correct answer is probably both. <laughs> no, and no, I'm going fans. And, and UK's fault. Uh, but UK has to do what, whatever they can to make sure fans are intrigued 
Because when you make a commitment to the football program, you can build a new stadium, you can put millions of dollars into the program, but you still have to make tickets affordable and you have to you have to market, you have to advertise, you have to do your job to get butts in the seats. And that's on UK. Uh, the fans, I don't think UK football fans consider themselves the best in the country. Now, basketball fans, that's a different story. So I don't know if you would blame the fans. I, I think maybe that falls more on UK if the fans want to take it to the next year and be considered in you know the top 10, 20, 25 fan bases in the country when it, in regards to football, they can make that happen by selling out all these games. But UK also has to make it easy on them, make it, uh, make it a sexy draw. Don't make, them ex- don't make excuses for them. Listen, I, I know I think Louisville fans care a little more about football than Kentucky fans. Not that that's really saying yeah. a big thing, we, but we could debate that. We, and we can we save it for another day. But you can't even make excuses. Listen, if you're five and seven coming off another five win season, I know it's not great, but in the eyes of the Kentucky history, that's still obviously steps forward in progress. You got to sell at least one game. One game. I mean, that's yeah. I, that's I, that's I, no excuse for that. I agree with that. It's they'll sell out one. Here's the thing: they're going to sell out one game. They're probably going to sell out more. Like I said, uh, we're out of time for the show today. Man, and you're, you're leaving as you're going your your outro. I can hear you're walking out the door as you're doing the outro. Well, I put I put my computer down on the. I, I was holding it because I was so excited with this great lively debate. I put it down back on my desk. But we're out of time for today. We'll be back tomorrow, fourteen fifty. The sports buzz. We'll see you then. Take the Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do. Uncle Freaks, classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say, don't forget 27, don't be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. Sitting high time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life. When they say I'm doing wrong, and I swear I'm doing right. Come on. Okay, I've been with your boys to the river and we taking the